Ever wondered who and what is shaping Luxembourg? This is your Lux Unplugged podcast with your hosts, Adrian and Thierry. Hi, I'm Thierry. And I'm Adrian. On this week's episode, I had the pleasure of talking to Franz Fayot, Minister of the Economy. This is the first time we're having a guest from the political space since launching the podcast. Thierry, why did we invite Franz Fayot? Luxembourg and the whole world in general has gone through a series of tests in the context of the pandemic and the economic policy responses that have come with it. Having Franz Fayot on the show couldn't be more opportune at a time when developed economies are slowly moving towards a new normal and acknowledging the changes that they need to make. Indeed, there is a wider range of topics that can be discussed here, and I understand your conversation with the minister took a bit longer than expected, hence this two-part series. Yes, we had a very insightful conversation. Unlike other episodes, this version is mostly unedited, in order for our listeners to capture as much as possible. As you just said, Adrian, we have decided to make it more digestible and split this piece into two chunks. So what can you give away at this stage? As our listeners will find out, Luxembourg has shown a great deal of resilience during the pandemic, and the government has supported the economy with a wide array of measures. We also talked about the challenges of building forward rather than building back in the context of more sustainable and greener economy for future generations. One point to mention here is Luxembourg's quite unique challenges when it comes to embracing teleworking or working from home, as we call it in the UK, right? Correct. Luxembourg is an economy that heavily relies on cross-border workers that contribute greatly to the local ecosystem and hence create a significant amount of value. In that context, the minister and I discussed the implications linked to tax agreements with the neighbouring countries, like France, Belgium and Germany and how all the concerned governments can benefit from a win-win solution over a long period of time. Especially knowing that a lot of healthcare workers don't live in Luxembourg and cross the border every day to keep Luxembourgers safe and healthy. That's indeed a lot of material, just for part one. I'm already looking forward to tuning into part two of your conversation with the minister. And now, without further ado, my conversation with Franz Fayot, Minister of the Economy in Luxembourg. Hello, Mr. Fayot. Uh, thank you for joining uh, the Luxembourg podcast. Hello. Good morning from Luxembourg. Uh, we have a very established tradition here at the podcast, and we always start with uh, getting to know our guests. So for people who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? I'm a Luxembourg uh, national. I'm uh, born and raised in Luxembourg. Uh, I'm 49 years old. Um, I, uh, I'm a, a trained lawyer. Uh, I studied law in, in Luxembourg uh, and Paris, Paris in the, in the 1990s. And after that, I worked as a lawyer for um, nearly, uh, yeah, for na- nearly, nearly 25 years. Uh, I'm, um, uh, I, I joined. I was elected into parliament in, in 2013 as a um, uh, member of parliament for the Socialist Party. And I became a Minister of Economy and of Development Corporation and Humanitarian Aid in February 2020. Uh, so the timing was just right, just before the pandemic uh, started. Uh, I, uh, I joined the government 
Um, and since then, I'm, I'm, I'm a minister of the, of the Luxembourg government. So before we go into today's topics of the Luxembourg economy, um, what interests me quite a bit is what motivated you to join the government in the first place? Well, you know, if, if, you're, if you're in politics um, and you get an opportunity uh, to join the government, uh, I mean, that's definitely, you know, that's, that's, a, top, uh, that's a top opportunity. It's, it's really one of the top jobs uh, in politics in particular, uh, the ministries I'm in, uh, Ministry of Economy, but also the Ministry of uh, Development, Corporation and Humanitarian Aid are two, uh, two ministries which are very close to my heart uh, because they are topics that are both uh, very much related to um, sustainable development. Um, economy is one of the three pillars of uh, sustainable development. It's social, it's the environment. And it's the economy, and it's also very uh, relevant to uh, what we are doing in develop, development cooperation. So I think if you have the opportunity to to be a, a part of government, to be a minister, to, to do things, to implement your ideas, uh, that is something that is uh, that's that's for me a, a dream job as a as a politician. And where you always engaged in in politics uh, at your early uh, stages, maybe at university or even before. I was always, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a very political family. So my, my father was a politician and I'm, I was always, uh, you know, in this, um, um, surrounded by political discussions and, of course, very much uh, interested in politics. But I only became actively engaged in politics at the, uh, I would say, at the outset of the, the 2010 uh, years. Um, I first joined a think tank, Fondation Robert Krieps, where I, I animated uh, debates, where I, I, I wrote political papers. I then had my, my own blog where I uh, wrote on, on political uh, topics and I became engaged in active politics in 2013 when I, when I was elected into, into parliament. But I have always been a very political person, always interested in politics, top, topics of um, social equality, uh, uh, which I think is one of the major issues of our time, but of course also the environment, uh, economics, uh, um, fiscal questions. Uh, these have always been questions that have been um, um, very in interesting to me and uh, in which I was always very engaged. Am I correct um, by saying that you joined the Green Party originally and now with the, with the Labour Party, uh, as we will call it in, in the UK, all the green movement within the country. Um, is that why working with the Green Party for yourself is you you're seeing eye to eye very often on a lot of topics? Well, I'm, I have always been a member of the Socialist Party. I'm, I'm, a, I'm really a socialist, a social democrat at heart. And it's true that we have a lot of things in common with the Greens who are also, I think it's fair to say they're a left-leaning party um, obviously with a focus on envir environmental uh, issues. Uh, but to me, um, the two questions are, are, are very much linked. Uh, if, when you talk about uh, social equality, uh, you talk about environmental justice, the two really go hand in hand. And, and you see that also now, all the young people dem demonstrating News for Friday, social, social equality, social justice is just as important as environmental justice, and um, that's why um, I'm I'm a I'm a socialist uh, at heart, but also with a very green 
uh, very strong green uh, profile because I, I really think I'm a strong believer that when you talk about sustainable development, when you talk about social justice, you also obviously have to talk about uh, environmental uh, issues. Uh, climate change, of course, is a defining uh, issue of our time, uh, but the two very much uh, go hand in hand. So yes, I think the partnership now in this government with the Green Party and with the, the Liberals uh, is, um, uh, I think, is, a, is, is, quite a, is quite a natural fit. It's been now well over a year uh, since the pandemic caused significant uh, disruption in Luxembourg and, of course, the rest of the world. But looking back at all your efforts during that time, how would you describe uh, the journey so far? Well, I've always, and right um, from after the first wave of the pandemic in, in May, June uh, of 2020, compared the uh, pandemic uh, to, to a marathon. And I think that's really what it has been. It has been a very exhausting marathon with, uh, with lots of ups and downs. Um, but I think we're really now, and I like to think that we are now coming to the end of it uh, with the vaccination campaigns that gain traction or that are really now getting to a very high level in, in, in most countries, the case that, just, that this is also true for Luxembourg, where we, have, we are advancing very well with our vaccinations. Um, and we are now seeing a recovery of the, of the economy, a return to a certain normalcy, to normal life. Uh, um, and, and all that, I think, is leading me to say that the worst is, uh, I hope, behind us. Uh, in economic terms, it has been a very rough uh, last year. Uh, we've had a recession in Luxembourg of minus 1.3%, which is uh, obviously um, a... Uh, it is a recession, but it's not nearly as bad as in many other countries, European countries. It's not as bad as, of course, the recession in the Eurozone. But it has been a rough, uh, a rough ride. Uh, we've had, uh, I've had to deal, of course, with, um, with the, the whole crisis management here in Luxembourg. At the same time, also uh, listening, to, um, listening to businesses, listening, listening to the different economic sectors um, and uh, addressing, addressing their problems. So... Uh, definitely a very difficult year behind us, but also a year full of lessons learned and full of, uh, I think, lessons also for the for the future. But I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that uh, much further now uh, in, in in this conversation. Yeah, would you would you say that um, we are in a V-shape recovery for for the Luxembourg economy? And um, as I mentioned just a, a second ago, you know it's a journey, and now the next part of the journey is starting, and that's to rebuild with a, a, a with green credentials. Is that where we are at the moment? Then, yes, absolutely. I think it's a, there was a lot of uh, uh, talk and discussions uh, in the early stages of the pandemic about how this. This would look whether it would be a V shape, whether it would be a W, whether it would be a, a you know a Nike swoosh, or in the worst case an, an L. Uh, so basically, no recovery. And I think it now looks very much, according to the latest uh, predictions from our statistics office, it looks like a V shape uh, with a V with a small inclination uh, uh, at the uh, earlier this this year, but still a V. So we will have uh, we're looking at a um, a rebound of plus 6% for 2021 for the economy in Luxembourg, um, which is really in line with, with uh, the uh, European uh, recovery. 
Um, and, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that this this is, um, and that's what I said said earlier. Um, we are now looking at at recovery, and we are looking at how we uh, want to rebuild our, our economies. And what we see, as also always the the, the, the talk, and uh, it has become a bit of a buzzword. This building back better and greener. What I like better is to talk about build forward uh, better and greener, because I think what we should not do is just go back to business as usual. Uh, we should not, um, uh, I think we should recognize that uh, our economic setup right now has a lot of, has quite a lot of uh, flaws and a lot of failures that we have come to the end of, um, of a linear economic model where we are using up too much, too many resources, where we are wasting too much, where we don't have, uh, we don't pay enough attention to circularity, circular economy. We need to be much more digital and we need to be much more sustainable. And I think these are, to me, uh, the main lessons of this, um, of this pandemic that we have seen uh, disrupted value chains. We have seen our vulner vulnerabilities in many respects in the health sector, but also in the food sector, uh, in, uh, in, in our industry. Right now, we are feeling it in, in the construction sector where we have um, problems in, also in supplies in many respects. Uh, and I think all these lessons should not go to waste and, and we should take them on board now looking at uh, how we rebuild our economies. I liked uh, rebranding the slogan built forward rather than built back. And, uh, and like you mentioned, it's a marathon. And as a keen runner as you are, um, I'm pretty sure you have the energy to, to take us forward um, to, to the next stages uh, during this journey. Yeah, I, I like to think that. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, although my running has uh, suffered a little bit uh, also over the last year, but that's mainly due to back problems, not so much to a lack of uh, motivation. Um, but yes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I mean, as you said, I'm, I'm uh, uh, I think stamina is, is key here. And I think we need to, uh, uh, this is not a one shot. This is a, a sustained and, and long-term uh, effort. Um, and I think what we are doing uh, in Europe, but also in the US with ambitious uh, recovery plans, with the uh, really the recognition that we need to invest in uh, green infrastructure, that we need to invest in, in uh, digitization um, and that we need to combine the two uh, to make our uh, economies more, more resilient um, is, is, a, is, is really key. Um, and the same goes for my other ministry. Um, we have the same, basically really the slogan building forward, better and greener very much comes from the development corporation world where, where we are saying, okay, what we see that the developing countries, the developing world has suffered even more from the pandemic uh, because their economies are even harder hit. Uh, and and what, what do we need to do to take these countries not on the same journey necessarily that we made, but to directly take them to a more virtuous uh, economy, economic development? And that's, that's, that's a big challenge, I think, both in the developing world, but also in the, in the, uh, in the developed world. For Luxembourg in general, then, uh, to what extent has COVID-19 and its implications uh, tested the resilience of the Luxembourg economy? But also, curious to know what you think about the resilience of the people of Luxembourg. Um, how have they taken the, the whole, let's say, the last 15, 18 months? 
I think maybe starting with the resilience of people, I think people have been remarkably uh, resilient and also remarkably uh, respectful of the um, of the uh, sanitary rules that were imposed on them, and particularly also on social distanciation, on restrictions on their on their uh, on their personal freedoms, personal liberties. We've had curfews. We've had. Uh, limitations to to social bubbles at home uh, in public spaces. We've had all all public uh, restaurants, bars closed for a long time, and people have coped uh, remarkably uh, well with that. Of course, um, I think the psychological damage, in particular for young people, uh, uh, is is not to be underestimated. And I think we're maybe not yet um, seeing all all the uh, the, the, the long-term effects uh, of that, uh, but it, all in all, I would say uh, that the resilience of people has been has been quite good. I think it's also due to the fact that, uh, as a small country, we have been able to maybe put in place a more, uh, uh, I would say, granular and, and more fine-tuned um, response to the pandemic. We have been able at times to to reopen uh, certain things that were still closed in many other parts of the world. Uh, because we we also had a strategy, and that I think is also key important. When it of, of key importance, we have always tested a, a lot. That that has been uh, quite a unique feature of our COVID response. And then when the um, we and then in the second stage we have sequenced a lot, so we have been able to identify all the different variants quite quite early. So we have always had a very good and clear picture of the pandemic. So. Resilience of the people was good. Resilience of the economy was also uh, quite good. Uh, of course, we had a very ambitious um, uh, aid uh, package uh, for all sectors of the economy. We've had massive uh, uh, grants, uh, re reimbursable uh, aids, uh, loans uh, with state guarantees, uh, payment delays. And then, of course, one key instrument, which was furlough, uh, short-time labor, uh, enabling uh, companies to keep their employees uh, during during the crisis. I think all these things have been instrumental also in getting uh, getting businesses to um, you know to, pre to preserve the economic uh, uh, the the econo economic fabric uh, of of the country um, and um, uh, with not too many business failures uh, so far. Um, so, so, so I think that has always has been quite quite important. What I think also helped us a lot was that we have a we have quite a strong service sector, the financial sector, of course, but also other service uh, sectors like, uh, in, in particular, the uh, uh, ICT sector, which has performed remarkably well, um, of course, due to home office, but also due to a, a boost to um, uh, digital services uh, during during the pandemic. So all in all, uh, the economy has, has resisted uh, the, uh, the pandemic quite well. Yeah, I think overall that, um, you know, Luxembourg's greatest uh, assets um, are those of financial services, the ICT. Uh, and I think we're going to talk a little bit later about Meluxina as well. And I think these helped a lot for the Luxembourg's economy and, of course, of preserving those jobs in the, for for the long term, while other countries that are not relying on financial services so much, they maybe have more manufacturing. I think they're struggling a little bit uh, more after the pandemic. But at the same time, obviously, it also shows 
a certain degree uh, of a weakness, um, and that is the strong reliance on cross-border workers. Obviously, we, we talk never more in the last years about teleworking or, or working from home. Um, and that, it seems that becomes an integral part of, the, of a company or company policies around the world. What compromises would you be working towards to preserve a win-win situation, especially with uh, cross-border workers? Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's a that's an excellent point. I think we we have seen, we knew that, but I think we really uh, um, felt it uh, very uh, keenly that we are uh, super dependent on on cross-border workers. We have every day about two hundred thousand commuters coming in from the from the neighboring countries. Uh, also, a lot of these workers uh, are active in in the in the health sector. Uh, so I can tell you that we had, on several occasions, uh, really a real scare that uh, borders would close uh, with co- neighboring countries, in particular Germany, in particular Germany, because of our quite high um, uh, COVID rates uh, at, at certain times and because of the the German response uh, to to COVID. Uh, so I think that has been a very uh, acute uh, realization uh, during uh, during the pandemic. Um, it is obvious that an economy like Luxembourg is is, is depending on all these these uh, these uh, cross border workers, um, and um, of course, in in some sectors, uh, in particular the service sector, uh, a lot could be done through uh, through teleworking. Um, a lot of these workers stayed at home, uh, presently are still staying at home, um, and I think that coming out of this pandemic, we will see. Probably a new uh, a, a new world uh, in also in the organization of labor. Uh, I think teleworking will remain to some extent, not to the same extent than at the at the height of the pandemic. But we will probably get a mix of people staying at home and 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 coming to work. I would say one two days, maybe at home and the rest uh, at on their at their at their workplace. Uh, so I think that's that's. Um, uh, that that is reliance on on uh, uh, workers from the neighboring countries will of course uh, remain. Uh, we need to put in place the necessary um, uh, tools, uh, both from a tax perspective but also from a social security perspective, to enable these workers to continue uh, working at the same level, uh, maybe even more uh, telework. But all that is of course depending on on the negotiations going on with Belgium, France and Germany uh, as to how uh, we make, can make this possible. Uh, there has been a temporary exemption during, uh, during the derogation to the existing legal framework during the pandemic. And right now uh, we have discussions going on as to, to see how we can, how we can um, uh, make this uh, continue even, even, uh, even past, uh, the, past the COVID. Yeah, I think um, during the pandemic, that was uh, a topic that came up quite a lot, especially in Luxembourg, cross borders. um, And maybe another country very similar uh, position was uh, Switzerland with uh, German and French cross borders. For Luxembourg particularly, um, I wondered why there was not an agreement um, such as, let's say, we we always talk about the, the, the greater region, and rather than closing borders, um, why there couldn't be an agreement between the greater region of Luxembourg and have these 
these um, uh, commuting areas just flowing as they usually are because it's it's great closing a border, uh, but you know somebody who lives in Trier or in Arlon uh, in Belgium um, is not might work in Luxembourg, but is not going to drive three hundred kilometers somewhere else in Germany just to come into to Luxembourg to work. So was there not a possibility to leave that open during during that time, or or was that not a, a thought process that was uh, implemented? Well, you know, I think. This is a good point, and it was, of course, it was a discussion, and this discussion was always led at the at the level of the greater region. There is a body called Conference Intergouvernementale, which basically brings together the the governments of Germany, France, Luxembourg, and and Belgium. Uh, to discuss these issues, and I can I can assure you that there there were many discussions about this to to keep borders uh, open, and there have indeed also been arrangements that were found um, at all times to have the uh, the frontalier the uh, cross border workers come in with, without without restrictions. Uh, so there were ac- actually exceptions in place for cross border workers. Uh, at at some points it was difficult. Because there were controls, in particular at the German border, uh, where um, people were were tested uh, for for fever, in particular in the first uh, in the first um, stage of the of the pandemic, uh, which of course slowed down uh, the traffic and and the entry uh, into the country. Uh, but these exceptions were were in place uh, and they they worked. So none of this was was perfect as was the uh, response of Europe to the pandemic generally, um, where it must be said in all fairness that Europe does not have a, have a, have ju- jurisdiction in, in, uh, in health matters. Uh, but yes, of course, uh, this was not the most glorious moment uh, of, uh, of Europe when it comes to the response to this pandemic. But I think all in all, as far as Luxembourg is con- concerned, in the context of the greater region, we were able to... Uh, to keep the country uh, working, to keep the country functioning, and to keep cross-border workers coming in and 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 going back, um, uh, going back in the evening. As we here at the Luxembourg podcast talk to many different uh, players within the business sectors, um, and from a stru- uh, structural perspective, Luxembourg heavily depends on the financial services sector for tax intakes and obviously job creations. Uh, on the other hand, the country has attempted to diversify the economy by tr- attracting new industrial players. Um, so, some local industrial companies believe Luxembourg has been too complacent in that regard. How would you respond to to this if you if you hear this? Well, I would not say we were uh, too complacent, but it's 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 a discussion everywhere uh, in in uh, in Europe, and you see this now also in in Germany. When Tesla wants to to build a factory in Germany, they have the same discussions. Uh, there are environmentalists who will tell you that we don't need another big industry. Uh, we have, you know, this has too many impacts on the environment. There's too many uh, too many impacts. Uh, the the neighboring villages and and communities will say there will there's too much traffic. Uh, it's uh, it's dirty. It's noisy. Uh, and, and so this resistance to um, to industry, I think, can be felt and can be seen pretty much everywhere. So this is not unique to Luxembourg. 
What we are doing uh, is, and we have been doing this for more than a decade, is really trying to, di to diversify uh, our economy. Uh, we have, uh, and, and in doing that, we are really trying to focus on, on these areas where we have skills and where we have a unique selling proposition. Um, we are trying to build up new ecosystems uh, in uh, sectors like ICT, uh, space technologies, health technologies, environmental technologies, uh, logistics, but also the automotive uh, industry. I think these are all uh, areas where we have um, an ecosystem, where we have already a number of businesses which are present in Luxembourg, uh, businesses that are doing really cutting-edge stuff, very uh, leading in their markets uh, even. Um, and and, and we are, what we are doing is really trying to, to build on that, encourage new players to come to Luxembourg, uh, but also develop sectors which are which are complementary to that, and um, uh, I'm sure we're we're going to talk further about this. Uh, the the challenge is, of course, also to to build up the, the necessary infrastructure to have um, the uh, necessary digital tools in place. Because we, what we see, of course, everywhere is that uh, data is is central to developing uh, our the economy of the future. Um, but also try to get the necessary skill sets to Luxembourg. And I think these are, these are the big challenges we face. We are uh, very aware of them um, and we are taking them head on. Thank you for listening to part one of our conversation with Franz Fayot, Minister of the Luxembourg Economy. The second part of this conversation will be released in the next episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify Apple Podcasts or any other major streaming platform. Mm -hmm.